So today, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we're in a sermon series we're calling Selfless. And uh, the idea with this is, is really kind of the idea that focuses around some New Testament ideas and, and, and uh, different passages that help us to see that as we live our lives as disciples of Jesus, we need to kind of live a life that's not focused on ourselves, but counter to that, focused on, on the kingdom and focused on God. A lot of what we deal with today really does focus around self, right? Self-worth, self-image, all these things that are focused on self. So what we're trying to accomplish in this world of self is how we can see outwardly and, and honor God with who we are. So today we're going to be in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. So if you have your Bibles or devices, go ahead and find your place there. And while you do that, we'll kind of see how, and, 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 and the message is around money, it's around resources, it's around generous giving and generous gen, uh, and extravagant generosity. But, but please don't put your mute buttons on just yet, all right? I'm not, we're not going to talk about how you need to start tithing more how you need to start giving more. That's not what the message today is going to be about. Hopefully you'll see this as we build it, that this message is more focused on our attitude of giving, the why we give, not necessarily what we give. So I want you to don't put the mute button on me just yet, all right? So I have an example that I want to share with you, and, and Pat doesn't like this example, even though I did remind him he did play for the Phoenix Suns at one point. So Shaquille O'Neal, legendary basketball player, He's a very wealthy man, right? And he's not only wealthy because he spent 19 years in the NBA playing with many, many teams, including my Los Angeles Lakers. So he, he's a very wealthy man, but that's not the only reason he's wealthy. So after, actually even during his career, he started doing a lot of investments. Now, a couple brands that are very familiar to us, and I'm sure we've even seen him on TV, Papa John's. He's got ownership stake in Papa John's Pizza, right? He also had ownership stake in Ring. Most of us are very familiar with Ring. Most of us have them, you know, a lot of us have them on our door, doorbells and, and things of that nature. He invested in that before Amazon bought it for like $2 billion, right? So he, he had invested in these companies, but I've read somewhere recently, he's actually invested in over 50, uh, 50 different brands and companies, which is a significant amount. And, and, and that's one of the reasons he's wealthy, but one of the neat things about it, and probably even more impressive than that, is he's actually a very generous man. I saw something recently where uh, he was talking to somebody, and they asked him, and he said he, he, he goes purposefully, he goes into these retail stores and these major retailers, and he looks for people to help. And he walks into a Best Buy one day, and there's this lady at the customer service counter, and he sees that she's paying off or paying a, uh, making a payment on a, on a laptop needed for her child so she can go to school. And he had, she had this laptop on, on layaway. So he walks over to the counter, and he pays for it in full. She didn't ask him for it. She didn't say, hey, there's a, there's a big guy over there. He's got money, right? He just did it. I saw another story where he literally walks into a jewelry store, and there's this young man who was paying for his engagement ring and making a payment on his engagement ring. He walks over, gives him the credit card, Pass the dude on the back, and he walks away. And, he, and somebody had asked him one time, I was like, why do you do this? And he simply said something to the effect of, 
you know what, a thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars is nothing to me. But to that person, it's everything. To that person, it's everything. So, so if I have it, why not give it? Why not? Right? And I think that's an attitude of generosity that's kind of available to us in the real world. And then what we're going to do hopefully today is we're going to see what that looks like kind of in the context of the New Testament church and what that looks like for us today. Okay, so what we're again, we're talking about is being extravagant in generosity. Again, it's not about giving, it's about generosity. So in in our text, we're going to see that, and and it's going to be in his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul's letter, and what he's doing, he's making a plea to this church to be generous. So let's start reading verse 1, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that, he, uh, that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in all of our love for you, that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness and desiring may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there... It is acceptable according to what person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at this present time should supply their need. So that their abundance may supply your need, there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. So the main idea this morning that I want to unpack is what we give, or I'm sorry, why we give. Why we give is much more important than what we give. Why we give is much more important than what we give. So I want to provide just a little bit of background before we go into this. Okay? So we see that, uh, first thing I want to point out is Corinth. The city of Corinth is a very wealthy city. Very wealthy city during that time. It was, it was wealthy because this had an access point to Rome as well as to all of the east. And, 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 and merchants from all over the known world at this time came to Corinth and they did business there. So we have different cultures, different people groups, and money coming into Corinth. And in the first century, it was well known to be one of the richest cities. Now contrast what Paul talks about in the first opening verses of this chapter. talks about these churches in Macedonia. And he gives us a little bit of information about these churches, which if you go back and kind of read a little bit more, um, 
these churches are likely Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. Okay? And, and what, what we see here is that they are under extreme poverty. Do you see that in verse 2, I think it was? Extreme poverty and a sev- under a severe test of affliction. Yet Paul says that they gave an abundance. So not only did they give, but they also gave an abundance. And I think it's important, again, to remind ourselves of this language that's used here. He says there's severe test of affliction. Severe, that's a strong word. And extreme poverty. So they were experiencing these things. And while they should have been begging for assistance under those circumstances, what we actually read here in verse 4 is that they were actually begging Paul to take part in this collection for the church. And that's what we see there. That, that, that word in the middle of verse 4, or that phrase, taking uh, part in, that's actually the, the word that we use in church, church folks, and that's the same word that we use for fellowship. The gathering of the saints. That's the, where, the word we use there. So they were t- taking that as an opportunity to participate in an act of worship. So the next thing we see here that's worth noting is that this, if you see the language here, it was actually this collection started a one, about one year prior. So Paul required this, requested this one year prior, and that actually has to make us think a little bit of where that came from. And, and what we see is if, if we look at the timing of when 2 Corinthians was written, it was written about a year after 1 Corinthians. So if we go back to, to chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, those opening verses there, what we actually see there is that, that these, this collection was for, for the church of Jerusalem. And Paul requested that they start collecting then. So for this entire year, seemingly they were not collecting as Paul instructed them to do so. Charles Swindoll says this about the, the church in, in Jerusalem. He says that in Jerusalem and Judea, most of the same Jewish authorities and institutions that had sent Jesus of Nazareth to the cross still held power. And to be a follower of Jesus under that regime had moved from uncomfortable to excruciating. And he says that as a result of the persecution, many Jewish Christians, they had no work. If you really think about it, who's going to hire or purchase goods from a heretic? As they saw him. So without work, they had no money. Without money, they had no food. They were in a, in a very desperate situation, these churches in Jerusalem. And they were in desperate need and aid of their sister churches. And this is what Paul desired from the church at Corinth. So the first question I want to talk through, I have a couple of questions I want to answer this morning. First one is this, why? Why do we give? And we see this already a little bit in this story as we, we go through it. But the first thing we see is it's because of God's grace. We give because of God's grace. Paul recognized and quickly reminded the Corinthians here that the generosity of the churches in Macedonia were from the works of of the Holy Spirit and through grace because they didn't have the means. They didn't have the means to do that. So the general application here is, look, if we have the resources, if we have the resources, then we should be generous with them. That's the basic uh, the application here. And we'll see this in the next chapter. Paul says this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and who sows, uh, sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The next thing we see of why we give is because there's a need. There's a need. If there's a need, we shouldn't have that opportunity. So I'll tell you what, in my experience, there's so many people who just ignore 
the need of others. Long, 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 long time ago, dark, dark years ago, before I met my wife, Natalie, I had this girlfriend. Long time, dark, dark years. And, and, and I remember I'm getting out of the shower one morning or one afternoon. I was working nights then. And she calls me. And I'm like rushing to get out. I answer the phone. What do you want? Right? And she's like, I got a flat tire. Or my sister has a flat tire. I'm like, okay. So I, I get dressed. I, I drive over there to the shopping, shopping mart and place that they were. And it was her and her sister. And I think her, her, uh, her niece was there too. She was probably six, seven, eight years old. And a baby. And it was a busy Saturday afternoon. So this parking lot was full of people. So by the time I got there, my hope was that it was going to be taken care of. I'd be walking up and the dude's finishing up, you know. But no, they're still standing there. Groceries in hand, trunk was emptied out, two young ladies, two young children. I'm like, give me a break. What is wrong with you people? I'm watching people walk by them as I'm unpacking my car. And it, it was just an unfortunate thing to see. Another example I have is I'm driving. When I used to live in California, don't hold that against me. When I used to live in California, I'm driving through, and I'm driving in Pasadena, I'm driving to work, and I, my car just stops, just completely shuts down. And I'm like, what is going on? So I'm almost in the middle of this busy intersection in Pasadena, and I'm just stuck. And cars are passing by me, you know, giving me the, hey, you're number one if you know what I mean, honking at me, yelling at me, you're in my way. And the most unexpected person stopped to help me. You know, you know, let's just be real. The guy looked like a thug. He's the guy who stopped to help me, of all people. Crosses the street, walks over, pushes my car into a parking lot. Of all people, right? Unexpected generosity. And, and what Paul was doing here was he was saying, look, if you have the opportunity do it, right? This gentleman had the time, so he helped. And all these other people decided not to help, right, when it came to the flat tire. So he's saying, look, if you have these, these resources and you're able to bless others, bless others. I, I read something from John Calvin earlier this week. It's a very long quote. I'm not going to go into all of it. But really to summarize, and I think this is very true, he says that the flesh basically always finds this excuse it always finds an excuse not to help. Always finds an excuse. And he, he actually says this. He says, each of them, and he's talking about the Corinthians here, each of them, because he says here that, you know what, Paul actually kind of erases that excuse from them. He's like, you know what, no, let's, let's, let's put that aside. He says this, each of them should be contributing according to his ability and his needs. And then he adds, this reason that God not, does not look at the amount, but he looks at the heart. Again, he's not asking for thousands of dollars. He's just saying, look, if you have anything, please help. And I think the, the most clear and the best example, the Macedonian example is fantastic. But he kind of digs into him a little bit more and he gives the example of Christ. Right? He says in verse 9, you know, that, that Christ, and, and says here, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for his sake, your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. If I were to sum that up in the most simplest form and way, Jesus left his throne, came to earth to be a man, 
so that we can be reconciled to God because, frankly, without that, and, and our relationship with God is it's completely, completely, we're, we're, we're separated from him. And without Jesus, we cannot be reconciled to him. So he's saying, look, Jesus left this throne, the richest place you can possibly be. He became a man in order for us to have that relationship with God. And then the, uh, the fourth thing I want to point out of why we give, and Paul says it clearly here too, it's a proof of our faith. He says in verse 8 that he, you know, he alludes to this fact that giving generously to those in need is a proof of our love for other Christians and our love for other people. And in John, he says that in his first epistle that if we come to be followers of Jesus, then that means we love his saints and we love one another. If you really ask me, I think this is kind of a comical section. Because really in verse 8, he's like, it's not a command. But then when we get to verse 11, he's like, mm, you got to kind of finish what you kind of committed to a year ago. So he's saying, guys, you committed to this, you got to make it happen. But it's not a command, but you got to make it happen. So he's really putting pressure on them, not only by using Macedonian churches as an example, but then he really digs that knife in. And he says, Jesus is a better example. So if I'm the Corinthian church, I'm like, oh, right? That's a, that's a dig right there. It's almost like this, gentlemen. When your wife says, whatever, do what you want. She's not really saying, do what you want. <laughs> She's not. She's saying, you know what to do, Ryan. You better make the right decision. That's really what she's saying. The second question I want to answer is what? What do we give? The first thing we see here is that we give according to our means. So again, going back to that, that example of the Macedonian churches, we see that giving according to our means, and they gave according to their means, and then Paul adds, then some more. Right? He didn't ask for more. He never did. But in, in verse 11, we see that they were asked to give what they have. And basically what he's saying is, like, don't break the bank. Don't go into debt. Don't break the bank, but if you have more, give more. Don't hoard it for yourselves. Right? Take care of what you need to take care of, but don't hoard it. Don't hold on to it if there's a need that you're able to meet. Jesus talked about this several times in, in several of his parables. A couple that came to mind this week was the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the talents, right? Read those this week if you have some time to kind of see how, how Jesus put these in, into practice. And the second thing we see here is that we give our excess. I told you at the beginning of this that we're not going to talk about kind of give more, 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 more. And we see that very clearly in verse 14. Paul says, your abundance at this present time should supply their need. He's saying, you have it, Corinthian church. You have it. And I know as I look around this room, a lot of us don't have excess income. That's not something that's very possible in, in many cases. But in those occasions, when you do have excess income, something that's unexpected comes your way, are you jumping straight to Amazon and see what you can buy with it? Or are you doing something to see, hey, how can I bless somebody else with it? How can I bless others? 
And the third thing we see is we give generously. And as I'm writing this, I'm like, ah, that's more of a how than a what. But I didn't ask how, I asked what. So I'm throwing it in here, all right? Don't judge me. So here's an example. So uh, recently, back in October, September time frame, we were raising money, my family and I, for an organization that we're, we're connected to. And we, uh, we raise money every year, and we use these funds to fund a convention that we do to bring families together of individuals who suffer from the same condition that my daughter does, my youngest daughter, Gabrielle. And every year we have a whole lot of people who give so generously. And there was one family in particular that, that gave so generously, we actually had to call them to make sure and contact them just to be sure they didn't accidentally put too many zeros because it was something that just blew us away. And they're like, nope, that's exactly what we wanted to give. Are you sure? I'm like, yes, that's what we want to give. And I'm like, okay, this is amazing. And their, their answer to that was simply, your family blesses us. Your family is a blessing to us. We're like, oh, tears. So much, so much emotion. It was such an amazing thing. There's another family that I, could, I thought about that, again, right here at and, and TFC. They recently came in possession of, a, of an extra vehicle. That doesn't happen every day. There's so many things you can do with that extra vehicle. But instead of using it for another purpose, there was a family in need, and they gave it to this family because they needed it, and they didn't need it. Those are just two examples here from our church of somebody who's incredibly generous, and there's so many other examples that that we don't have time to discuss. But that's how we live generously, out of our excess. So finally, okay, great. What, What now, though? What do we do from here? How do we put this into practice? First thing I would say is we need to give God our first fruits. I wasn't sure, to be honest, if that was one word or two. So I, I think uh, generally in the, in the scriptures, it's one word. So give God your first fruits. So I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4. And this is where we, I've referenced this already a couple times, and that's kind of some of the backdrop to this current passage. So let's go here, and I want to read 1 through 4 of 1 Corinthians 16. It says this, Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I directed the churches of Galatia, so also you are to do. There's the command. There's the request from Paul one year ago. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom accredited by letter to carry out your gift to Jerusalem. That would be Titus, as we saw in this, in this section. If it, uh, if it is advisable that I should go, they will also accompany me. You see that there? So notice in verse 2, he says, on the first day of every week, put something aside. That's kind of this concept that we refer to as first fruits. It's the top line, right? We grab from the top line, we put that aside. That's where we make it. Or that's the first decision we make. How am I going to use this money for the kingdom, right? That's the top thing. It's the first thing that we should be considering when it comes to our finances, when we receive that paycheck in whatever form your paycheck comes in, right? Your weekly earnings, you put something aside. That is how you, you know, you, you manage your money. There's really in a simple, simple uh, illustration, even the one that we just talked about with the kids this morning. Simple illustration there is this. 
it reminds us to prioritize God over all things. If he's our first thought when it comes to getting that money, getting that, that funding, whatever that might be, then that means we're putting God first in our lives. Second thing is we need to reflect on God's blessings to you. We need to reflect on, our, on God's blessings to us. It's the month of November. I'm gonna, I won't pick on my poor kid right now. Most of us will gather later this month in a couple of weeks. This holiday we call Thanksgiving, right? I know for many people, Thanksgiving was interrupted last year with the whole COVID nonsense, right? And, and the big gatherings, unfortunately, didn't happen for a lot of families. And, you know, that's, that's one day of the year where we can kind of think about this and put it as a forefront of our minds. My cousin in Georgia, kind of neat, she, on her Facebook every single day this, this month, she's put on something that, what she's thankful for. Right? And, you know, one week it was my grandmother who passed away several years ago. Another week it was her husband. Another week it was her brother. You know, and I think she posted him on right around uh, Veterans Day. He, was, he is a Marine, was a Marine. You know, so I think that was a nice reminder, like, okay, uh, you know, putting thankfulness kind of front of mind. And this is a great month to do that. And here, here's something to think about. If you were able to get here today, you know, you put... You know, you have gas in your car, you have a vehicle, you're able to drive here, you're able to drive back. That's something that we take for granted, in my opinion, right? And if you're able to do that, you more than likely have a lot more than a good portion of the world. Even those who are viewing online. If you're able to get online, that means you have internet. That means you have electricity. That means you have the, a computer, Right, get, you know, those are things that we take for granted. And if you're able to do any of those things this morning, then you more than likely have a lot more than a lot of the world. So I think we need to take the time to reflect on what God has given to us. Third thing, if you're able, bless others with those blessings. Right, if we sit and reflect on what God's blessed us with, we have the ability to see, okay, what are some things we can bless others with? James, I think, said it very, very well in his epistle. Chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says this. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good or benefit is that? So also by faith itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. You see, Paul and James are in agreement when it comes to this concept. He said, you know, James said it's not enough just to say something. You got to put that into action. And that's what Paul's urging the Corinthian church to do now. He's like, look, you have the resources. Bless somebody with it, please. Jerusalem needs you. So today we saw that why we give is much more important than what we give. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, urged Christians to bear one another's burdens. And in verse 10 of chapter 6, he says these words. He says, So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Right? To our brothers and sisters. So Paul's reminding us that if we can't count on each other, 
aside from counting on the Lord, right? But if we can't count on one another, who else can we count on? So if you ha- do you have the opportunity? Is there somebody in need? Has God blessed you with excess or abundance? And then finally, who can you bless today? Let's pray. Uh, Father, it's a, a humbling uh, reminder. For some, maybe it's a difficult reminder. It's so easy to think about self. It's so easy to just to take advantage of, of, of what you have and, and, and take that as something that, you know what, I earned this. This is mine. This is what I've, I've earned. This is what I've you know, worked so hard at. This is why I put in 50 hours this week. It's very easy to do that. So help us, God, to, to sit back and, and really, really reflect on you. Really reflect on how you've provided, what you've provided, and help us to bless others with that, God. And in whatever way that might be, it's not always about money, but in, in time, other resources, God, help us to do that because it's, it's a proof of our faith, because it's something that shows others that we love them, shows others that we care, and maybe more importantly than that, it shows others that we care and love for you. So God, help us to do that. Help somebody in this room to use these these principles that we talked about this morning and to put it into action, to put it into application in their lives. And I might be speaking to myself at the same time, Father. Thank you, God, for, for your word that reminds us of these things. Thank you, God, that you have given us. And in some cases, you've given us abundantly. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.